Welcome to The Bucket Problem, episode 41. I am your host, Ace Ambender, and this is once again a very special episode of the podcast. We are presented, as always, by Homefield Apparel and PointsBet, and we're a proud member of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. And now we are a Meet at Midfield production. And to explain what that is, I am joined by my co-workers at Meet at Midfield, Ryan Donnelly and Taylor Fulton. Uh, Ryan, I want to kick it to you first. Uh, What exactly are we doing here? That's a great question, man. Um, Who knows, really? I think mostly we're uh, we're an international intelligence organization uh, built around college football and, uh, of course, Big Ten supremacy. Uh, We are launching several non-governmental initiatives to kind of restore the Big Ten to its former greatness. Um, And we're expecting all of you to help. Uh, but besides that, we'll also be doing football coverage, <laughs> um, primarily of uh, Ohio State and Michigan, but also the whole Big Ten and all of college football. Um, we are—we actually believe the internet's first ever combined Ohio State Michigan football website. Um, we have plans to cover the entire sport, the whole sport, the way you hear it on the Bucket Problem, uh, the way you hear it on Meet at Midfield. Or sorry, rather, flipping the field. Uh, you'll soon read it on Meet at Midfield. Then we're going to hear it on your Ohio State sister podcast, High Street Freaks, which I am a co-host of. Um, we are looking forward to doing it, all of it really, um, you know, G5, P5, uh, on the field, off the field, everything in and out uh, of college football. We are so excited to talk about, and of course, some other sports too, um, all of college athletics really. But um, I think our wheelhouse is going to be uh, college football and, and uh, especially the community we have there um, with the forums we're launching, we're really excited about. Um, I think, I know you guys are also lifelong college football fans too. Uh, I think I have probably spent a fair amount of time in the dungeons of college football uh, message boards. Uh, I think, I think Ace has some familiarity as well. I know uh, Taylor's, <laughs> swi- Taylor's wisely avoided it, but those sites are like cool. If you're absolutely obsessed with the sport the way we are, but unfortunately like the actual culture of them is almost always terrible. Horrifying. Is it really? It seems, it seems so nice. Everyone seems so cool. Uh, and we want to capture like the fun part of it. Uh, and the part where you can deep dive into your team and just the sport without like, you know, uh, <laughs> the other parts that I will leave out of this for now. And, and we're doing a great setup of that by having Michigan and Ohio state fans mingle with each other on the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, this will go healthy. extremely well, but, uh, no, uh, I, I think like a big focus of this, which uh, meet at midfield.com, by the way, launched today. Uh, we are recording this on Sunday, but this podcast is coming out on Monday, August 1st, which is our official launch day. There should be uh, a bunch of content up on the site already. I'm not going to make any promises because it's not up on the site uh, as we speak at this moment, uh, but we'll get it up there. Um, so yes, meet at midfield.com. I think we like a big thing for us is focusing on, the regionality of college football, which is something that we, um, a lot of times, it, especially in the current coverage of college football, uh, lose sight of, especially with conference realignment going on, California now being a part of the Big Ten, all of this stuff. Uh, but still, I mean, we truly believe that, uh, you know, the tradi- certain traditions of the sport, at least, and especially stuff like uh, rivalries between Michigan and Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, uh, the Big Ten is importing you you see UCLA USC. It's a jumble of letters. Um, so hopefully people will be drawn in by the fact that we're covering this in a way that um should be a little different than what you get at other places because we're not completely separating uh this coverage. We are going to have 
Ohio State and Michigan in one place and trying to kind of cover it with an eye on uh, with an eye on each other like Michigan and Ohio State tend to do uh, all season. One third eye all the way open. Yes, (laughs) that is exactly it. I mean, it's very, very exciting. I don't have anything else exciting to say that you already haven't, but um, I do think it also kind of is going to add and enrich to the existing college football landscape that can be, um, sorry about my dog, um, a little bit, um, you know, it may be also from my vantage point a little bit. um, I think sometimes if you don't already know kind of like the ins and outs of college football and kind of the the regionalism associated with it, or you don't kind of, it can be a little gatekeepy, I think is what I'm trying to get at. And hopefully we bridge that gap a little bit for folks who maybe just kind of want good coverage without feeling like they're missing a bunch of inside jokes um, or that you can be part of some inside jokes soon, very soon. And again, I just want to be clear when we, when you spell meet at midfield, it's not M E A T like, like the food it's meat like m-e-e-t um we have some plans for the other one yeah we might we might so yeah i don't wanna i don't wanna and once we once we do get our tailgating site meet uh m-e-a-t at midfield up we're also going to be doing uh our hookup website menage at midfield which we are really excited to be launching as well yes Uh, Uh, usc has actually tried this before but uh i don't (laughs) think it was officially authorized uh if you don't know what i'm talking about try google um i'm not going to elaborate um uh taylor uh speaking of uh god enriching the culture of college football what is your big mood this week oh uh, yes, I love to contribute <laughs> to discourse and I love to have a nice time. Um, so my big mood for the week is Jim Harbaugh. Um, actually, where I'm recording right now is um, it's in my closet. Um, it's like a little walk-in closet situation, um, but also it's part of Jim Harbaugh's orphanage um, that that I know he runs um, because he has decided that he would like to um, just take any Michigan staffer, player, whomstever's um, uh unwanted children um, <laughs> yep, yep. In, his, in his latest um uh interview with espn and also he mentioned it again on at big 10 media days uh that he's very staunchly um anti-abortion um pro-life however you want you want you phrase that personally um so he he's done that i wrote a little bit uh on the bucket problem.com uh it's right very before. good you should read it Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, so I wrote a little bit about that and kind of just he long story short, he just kind of lives in this very like unique world, like this very strange, like moral place that that he occupies and he thinks everyone else should too. And he he's almost like the egalitarianism that he has in his worldview of saying, like, hey, someone who needs legal aid, hey, someone who's um experiencing police brutality hey this fetus um he kind of sees them all as kind of folks that need championing and he seems to be the person who who thinks he can do that and i think that's a little bit obtuse of him so if you want to read that thebucketproblem.com uh i was very happy to write it well not happy but um felt it was important to write um and just kind of give my two cents on everything he says it, it is an impressively thanks. yeah it is an impressively nuanced take and um if you're upset at us about uh 
continuing to bring up Jim Harbaugh in this context, uh, be upset at Jim Harbaugh about continuing to say these things because uh, we wouldn't be talking about it if he wasn't. That's uh, literally the other thing. He doesn't need to be like saying any like he already said it a couple times. He already went. He said it like three separate times within the yes. past week. It's like he just really wants you to know. And I think we got the point the first time, which is another thing I didn't really bring up. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did think we it was interesting. It. He decided to hire uh, Davos Swinney's PR guy and follow his strategy for the last several years. But, you know, I mean, him, Mike Gundy are in a great club, too. So I hope they're all enjoying it together. Oh, man, it oh, is so God. brutal that there's just no talking back about this. And <laughs> wonderful is... that it is happening at my public school alma mater. <laughs> he is going to be a really compelling libertarian candidate for like Michigan Senate when he's done with this. So you all have a great time. It's yeah. going to be the <laughs> wildest platform you have ever seen. This dude you voted are... for Hillary Clinton. He is he is in a, a like in a I'm not using snowflake in the normal term uh, of politics. <laughs> he is a political snowflake in that he is unique. <laughs> yes, he's a he's a flip flopper in the traditional sense. I'm sure he does not himself feel that way. Um, but I will say. Uh, he's going to be the nation's first anti ch- publicly anti-chicken candidate. And I think that that's, <laughs> that's a really brave take in you know, in 2022. The, the beef industry yeah. is going to love him. Um, he, he's going to have big meat uh, or, or big beef behind him, but not big chicken. Is Jim Harbaugh behind the new avian flu? Are we hearing this more and more? Ooh, Does he have something ooh. to do with this? It's, it's, <laughs> it's something we have to consider. It is definitely something we have to consider. I mean, he literally like legitimately thinks like, I believe the quote was from Walton Spate after he transferred and was like, yeah, um, coach thinks that like chicken released some sort of sickness into the world. So that's why he doesn't eat chicken and encourages his players not to either. uh, The chicken is a scared bird and and you don't want to ingest that fear. Uh, That is, I, I am not joking. Jim Harbaugh's view on chicken. Um, and he's, it's so true. It's so true. I mean, <laughs> have you ever well, seen a chicken run towards something fearful? I haven't. So why did I the mean, chicken cross the road? Not to fight anybody. No, absolutely not. Uh, chickens, big cowards, big, big cowards. Um, boy, I don't know how to transition into this. Um, uh, speaking of cowards, big... <laughs> yes, <laughs> that go. is, that was it. Um, I, I'm not loving whatever is happening with, uh, the Michigan hockey program. And it is hard to exactly get a bead on what is happening in the Michigan pro- hockey program. I will try to keep this short because we have gone over the details in the past. Um, but long story short, there has been an investigation by Wilmer Hale into the uh, Michigan hockey program. We are getting way too familiar with a, uh, a independent law firm. <laughs> Shout out to Wilmer Hale, uh, pulling those checks. Um, Sponsor the podcast. Sponsor meet at midfield. Yes. Yes. Wilmer Hale. Like, yeah. We, leak us your uh, reports first and uh, sponsor us. It'd be great. Um, Cause we'll actually uh, leak the results. Uh, <laughs> but uh yeah, they've been looking into allegations uh, regarding a, a, a number of problems with the hockey program, uh, including uh, um, circumventing certain COVID restrictions, um, ducking, also faking COVID issues to duck a, a series that was poorly timed for the team, uh, creating an environment of uh, uh, 
sexual harassment, I would say, I think is how the way of putting it. Um, and yeah, some other good stuff. Uh, and according to the Michigan insiders, Alejandra Zuniga, uh, Michigan has known the results of this investigation since May. And any appeal would have taken only 30 days based on Wilbur Hale's stated policies. So you have to imagine that any appeals process uh, would have ended by now. Um, this uh, The attention being paid to the hockey program was spurred by John Bacon tweeting that the uh, results of the investigation are now in the hands of some media members. Um, then uh, Alejandro wrote a story where he got in touch with um, Mel Pearson himself, uh, the coach of Michigan hockey. And Pearson has been uh, quote unquote coaching Michigan hockey for about three months now without a contract. Um, and his quote was, I work under the direction of Ward Manuel, the regents and the president. I hope I've showed them enough to be here. Um, he also said uh, that he has had productive talks with the athletic department over recent weeks. Um, he, there was also in the very next paragraph, um, Zunega said, uh, Pearson says he hasn't engaged in formal conversations about a new contract. So I don't know what the hell is going on, but it sure feels like Michigan is waiting for the results of this investigation to leak so they can trial balloon whether people think Bell Pearson should still be the coach of the program because they know and the people who don't know are the public. And it's hard to feel like those, I, I mean, it was also noted that um, I, I guess the uh, first period for contacting uh, recruits in hockey goes by birth year, the class of 2006, um, please kill me, um, by natural causes, apparently. Um, and that, oh my God. That, that, that period starts today, August 1st. So maybe there has been a revolution resolution by the time you hear this, because it would be prudent for the hockey program to uh, have figured out their head coaching situation. Uh, that would be ideal. It, I don't know if they have a backup plan. Uh, I've heard some rumblings, but um, it, it just, this just all feels extremely gross. And like the athletic department uh, continually uh, just fails to handle uh, any situation outside the lines of uh, the sporting fields uh, in a way that is at all like worthy of Michigan stated values. Yeah. So I just kind of want to jump here, jump in here with like two points. Um, first of all, number one, this is like pretty big for Michigan's pretty deep prospect pool. I mean, they're consistently um, a powerhouse in terms of kind of the prospects that they are um, bringing in and also churning out. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see kind of where that lands. And if any sort of like if the university either self-sanctions or sanctions are placed on them, um, it's going to really impact what that pool looks like. Um, so that that's a little bit thorny in terms of kind of like the future of what um, the next couple classes will look like. So that's just something that I keep in mind kind of with my eye on hockey. And the other thing that I just think is really something that that half goes under the radar or kind of like it's in the back of my mind is that Ward Manuel does really does not have great control over the narrative of his athletic department at the moment. Um, that does not feel really good. Um, so if you kind of look at the big three in terms of like football, you've got Jim Harbaugh like out here just stealing babies. You've mm -hmm. got the Michigan hockey athletic, like this investigation. And then if I don't want to wade back into these waters, I think a lot of the discourse was pretty unfair 
if you are a hater of Michigan basketball and you want to bring up Juwan Howard in that conversation of whether or not you think that his suspension after the Wisconsin game was appropriate or not, um, you know, that's another, you know, whether you agree with how that went down or not, there's not a great narrative necessarily of like control coming out of that athletic department in my view, just kind of as a bird's eye view perspective. So it's not great overall, I think for the athletic department either, um, which is something that I think kind of goes by a bit quietly. Um, Not to say that like any of those sports right now are in a bad state in terms of their sport relatively, but it's sort of gives me the vibe that Ward Manual does not have a great grasp of kind of the the PR that's kind of coming out. Um and especially in the past like six months or so. Yeah, it's been it's been such a tough contrast because on field obviously the hockey program has been immensely successful. Football is coming off their most successful season in decades. Uh both basketball programs are in a great place. And yet off the field, the only one that you can truly feel good about is women's basketball. <laughs> yeah, like that's the only one that I'm just like, oh, yeah, like that. that's fine. Don't worry. We're a women's basketball school. Don't look up anything else. Everything is fine. We're cool. We're cool. Um, speaking of uh, uh, divisions that uh, specialize in other things, um, we are going to discuss uh, football now. And um, we uh, were inspired by the uh big 10 releasing uh they called it the top 10 players in the conference is kind of their preseason all-conference thing it's really the top five players in each division uh they split it five players in the east five players in the west uh this was a media panel voting on this uh we decided to put together our own top lists we are going to start in the west division and uh as you might suspect uh it's a little less star-studded uh than the east uh taylor and i put together our top fives ryan is here to tell us where we have gone horribly wrong um taylor who's right. your who's your number five okay so my number five um so first of all i want to preface i know that um in the previews that are written for the bucket problem and also on the episode of the podcast where you and dan talked about tight ends neither of you like the, the premise is that you have to care about the position. I am one of those rare people that does. Um, I don't know why. I wish I wish I was well, um, but I'm not. So I do care a little bit about tight end play. And I my number five is actually Payne Durham um, from Purdue. So this is, again, a hot take. And I just also want to preface, like, in terms of the Big Ten West, I do not know ball. Like, I... <laughs> Like I'm sorry if you if you really want me to pay, if you want me to pay attention to the Big Ten West like come on come on I'm sorry I can't um, but anyway he had like a pretty good season last year um, 45 receptions 467 yards and six touchdowns and I think that Aiden O'Connell who spoiler alert is also on my list still um, has like a really good opportunity to capitalize on that because and. I guess I'm spoiling all the things I was going to say about Aiden O'Connell as well, but um, I think he's going, he doesn't necessarily have the receiver talent that he did. Um, but, but Durham's going to be a really nice option for that. So that's why I'm putting him at number five. And um, that, that take might be a little hot, but I do think that he's, he's going to have another really, really good season, if not like a massive season in, in, in my view. I don't think you can necessarily go wrong with picking uh, one of the, higher end tight ends in the West, just because uh, that's where all of the uh, 
receiving talent is actually uh present in the in the west and i'm uh, sorry hang on <laughs> most of it um <laughs> and uh i've got malik washington on my toughest omissions uh and and uh yeah i mean purdue has produced a, a pretty nice streak of like flex tight ends recently and i, I think durham is uh right up there among uh some of the better ones so that that don't wildly it's also worth mentioning too that purdue lost everyone else they're going to throw the football to um with milton Wright no longer being at the team of course david bell leading to the nfl draft um they don't really have any like clear answers i think mershon rice um yodor uh i believe is his name uh also kind of a couple highly rated recruits who are still on the program there but no one uh really clearly sticking out they also have tj sheffield too from tennessee yeah um a few other highly rated recruits there, but no one who's really done anything at the college level catching passes besides Durham. Um, so I assume he should be a kind of a safety blanket for O'Connell this year, which is important. Yeah, he's going to get littered with targets. Uh, my number five is uh, Minnesota center, uh, John Michael Schmitz, uh, who has been uh, on my radar for a few years, um, thanks to uh, MGO Blog's uh, draft to get in stuff and putting together preseason things because he. Um, for the past few years has just shown up as one of the big tens top rated blockers last year. He didn't allow a sack or a QB hit and he only gave up five pressures. And while he does play center, which makes it easier, uh, he is also really good in the run game. Uh, he had the third best PFF grade among centers in the entire FBS. So uh, that has passed the eye test when I've watched him I've, I've, and Minnesota has been a pretty good running team for a team with their talent. Um, so I, I feel pretty good taking someone for who's been like the standout on their line uh, for a couple of years now. Sure. All right. No complaints. Yeah. You don't, you don't get complaints <laughs> when you pick offensive linemen. It's great. No one can argue. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't disagree at all. He was a really good player. And they also, they lose a lot of other guys up front, right? I mean, Daniel Falale is yes. gone. Uh, Curtis Dunlap is gone. I believe like a lot of other players in their line are kind of not hanging around anymore. Uh, so he's going to be a key for them. I do think that could, um, make his production look worse this year. Like, you know what I mean? I, I assume yes. without kind of the help around him, uh, the line may not look as good, but I, I don't think that's going to be a result of his plan. He's a damn good player. Yeah. I think, I think also just like thinking about Ibrahim's season, um, I think that, you know, his play is going to be really huge in that, especially coming at, back off an injury. So hopefully um, Minnesota got something good going, but yeah, I can't really complain. Cause like I said, First of all, I know, like I said, I know nothing about the Big Ten West. I think that's going to be my thing. Like, I'm just going to pretend to know nothing. They don't exist. They're not real. <laughs> you can't hurt me, Big Ten West. You're not real. I'm now just seeing a blank spot on your number four. So uh, I'm curious to see where this goes, Taylor. Yeah, um, it's also another tight end. It's Sam Laporta. Okay. Um, again, yeah. my dog my dog is crying because he doesn't like the Big Ten West either. Um, so something I think that that stands out to me, I've been watching a little bit of um Iowa football for, for reasons you. for reasons that should be released today when you are hearing this um so yeah I've been watching a little bit of Iowa football I think and again Iowa is obviously a tight end machine um they're gonna they're gonna turn out tight ends uh left left and right um I think Laporta is probably um the best safety blanket that uh Spencer Peters has um and again, I'm just purely looking at him as a receiver um he also obviously because Iowa they've He's he's gonna do a really good job, um, and I need to pull up his stat line. I don't have it in front of me, but oh, I, I've got it because he's my Please. number three. Please. Um, last year he led the team with fifty three receptions, six hundred and seventy receiving yards, and three receiving touchdowns. The highs from anybody else on the rest of the team. This is not one stat line. Uh, 
departed running back Tyler Goodson had 31 catches. Uh, again, Laporta had 53. Um, returning wide receiver Keegan Johnson had 352 yards. Laporta had 670. And uh, one other player had three touchdowns, but that was wide receiver Charlie Jones, who transferred to Purdue. And only one player besides that had multiple touchdowns. Keegan Johnson again with two. Laporta is their passing game. Uh, and if you've watched their quarterbacks, that should not surprise you. Yeah. Really I mean, stinky. my God, it's he's big enough that they can, the, the Aiden O'Connell, or not Aiden O'Connell, but uh, rather, um, uh, I'm forgetting his name right here. Tyler Petrus is, uh, you know, Spencer uh, Petrus, six yard, Spencer <laughs> Petrus, yeah, same thing. His six yard window of throws that he tries to hit kind of great, vaguely lands on Laporta's direction, which is why Luke Lachey, their backup tight end, is also their second best passing option. Uh, <laughs> and, Nico Regini is like a pretty talented receiver has been on that team for, I think it's his fifth year now. And I think only caught 26 passes last year, uh, despite being open fairly frequently, mm-hmm. just because Peters can't hit anything. He's a terrible quarterback. Like one he's, of the worst in conference history. He's yeah. not good. He's really bad. He's like, I can't, I can't emphasize enough. Like I said, I have watched a lot of Iowa football and I am not excited about anything that he does. I'm sure he's lovely as a person. I'm sure he's fine. All right, my, my number business. my number four <laughs> is Wisconsin outside linebacker Nick Herbig. He oh uh, yes sir, he is he, had, he is a dog. Yeah, he had nine sacks as a sophomore last season. Uh, a former top one hundred and fifty recruit, which is uh, not that common on Wisconsin's defense, and Wisconsin churns out NFL quality edge rushers all the time. Uh, PFF considers him the top returning edge defender in the Big Ten. Uh, he had a pressure rate over 20% in the 2021 season and a pass rush grade over 90. Those are uh, sparkling numbers. Um, so, I mean, Wisconsin loses some linebacker talent, but uh, Herbig should be um, maybe the best edge defender in the entire conference, given uh, the losses at Michigan and um you know, Ohio State not necessarily producing the edge talent that we've been accustomed to unless Zach Harrison breaks out or one of the number one recruits that they have. One of those five stars. <laughs> Ryan is smiling right now. <laughs> I'm just I'm just biding my time. You know, I don't want to I don't want to say anything too early. <laughs> That's fair. That is entirely fair. All right. Uh, Taylor, you've kind of given away your number three, but uh, let's talk about your number three. Yeah, I'm actually pretty bullish on Aiden O'Connell. I'm actually pretty bullish on Purdue, which they're probably going to just, just <laughs> absolutely going to lose out. Um, it's going to be the worst season they've ever had. Um, anyway, uh, Aiden O'Connell is my number three. Um, so I, we kind of talked about it. David Bell's not there anymore. Charlie Jones did transfer in, and I do th- think that that's going to be a nice like spot both for him and for O'Connell, but... Um, but I, I think Durham's probably based on trust going to kind of be the, the receiving guy. Um, but there's, there's really like, he's good. Like, I think as much as we want to talk about the big 10, really not producing quarterbacks, I think that O'Connell is like really a competent passer. And I would, I would expect. I was waiting to, for the word competent to come in. He's competent. Okay. So like, yeah, no, he's competent. Um, a little bit more comp- competent than than most in in the Big Ten, and I think that um, I'm I'm a little bit more bullish on them. Um, just kind of considering that they do have a pretty pretty solid offensive game plan if they can kind of figure out what they're doing with the receivers, because I do think he, he's an accurate quarterback. He doesn't really turn over the ball, um, and he's got and he's back. Like I said, I he's accurate. <laughs> what can you say? Like he 
he turns in his homework on time. Like, I don't know what to tell He's you. He's the Cade like, McNamara of the Big Ten West. And that that in the Big Ten West uh, comparatively looks pretty good. It I'll looks say this. phenomenal. Yeah. I'll say this. I did not have Con- O'Connell in my top five or even among my toughest omissions. But at the same time, I deeply understand putting him on your list after the amount of time you spent watching Iowa's offense lately. So I, I, I think it is both an understandable choice and one that I think like compared to like he he's just all right. <laughs> like he's all right. I don't know. Uh, Ryan, I, I know you're, you're stamping <laughs> at the pit here. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't think Aiden O'Connell is a guy who just has been around forever, but I would not call it good. Right. And there is value to that in college football. Like it's nice to have a quarterback who's just been around for, for four years. We even saw it. Like, I, I mean, look at last season, in the ACC, right. That the entire league was led by quarterbacks who had just been around forever and had eventually got good enough that they were competent. That's also a league that, you know, has receivers and likes to throw the football and has offensive coordinators that are good, not just like, uh, you know, the coach's son or something. Um, so <laughs> shout out to Iowa again. No, uh, I do think Aiden O'Connell is a plus quarterback in the net of college football. I don't think I would label him a difference maker, though, right? Like, I think he is someone that will not lose you a game. But I don't think even at this age in his career, especially with his receiver talent being gone, like a lot of those throws he was making was just, hey, let me figure out how to get to David Bell or um you know basically Rondell Moore before him or uh Milton Wright when he's available let me just dump the ball off and let them kind of do something because the Big Ten's mostly full of slow cornerbacks and safeties and uh I do wonder what it's going to look like uh look like without those guys and maybe I'm wrong maybe Aiden O'Connell steps up and has like a Kenny Pickett 60 or whatever um I wouldn't bank on it, but I could be wrong. <laughs> oh, you mean Kenny Pickett, who might lose uh, the quarterback battle to Mason Rudolph? And, and, and might lose it to also to Mitch Trubisky. He is currently number three. It could get oh, worse than goodness. that. Former <laughs> Buffalo Bill Mitch Trubisky. Please be respectful. I, I am in a tremendous bind with uh, our upcoming dynasty draft, but that is a uh, different topic. <laughs> uh, Two-time NVP, the Nickelodeon most valuable player. Just keep that in mind. When you slander Mitch Trubisky, uh, we podcast. should eventually we should do an episode about our dynasty drafts at some point in time. I think people might actually be interested in that. Format. I'd be tremendously embarrassed by my performance, uh, but I will. <laughs> I, I will. I would be down to do that at some point. Uh, anyway, uh, we have already talked about my number three. That is Sam Laporta, Iowa's tight end. Uh, so we go right back to Taylor for your number two. It's Jack Campbell from Iowa. He's like the only good player on Iowa. I'm so sorry. He. That's it. they got one on offense and one on defense well like again relatively speaking um yeah they've got they've got two players sorry about that they've got two um yeah i mean like last season 140 total tackles like two interceptions he basically leads their defense um he's he's all over the field i again i'm just a vibes-based person about the Big Ten West. I don't have a ton to say about this, but I do think that Jack Campbell does deserve to be in the list, um, um, on the list, just based on the fact that I would also say I kind of looked at kind of like the potential of who can kind of like transform um, a season, which is which is kind of for a large reason why um, O'Connell is on my list. Like who has the potential if they break out to kind of like, bring the rest of the team with them. And that's why I, I put Campbell on the list um, because if, if that defense is bad, the whole thing shuts down. The whole thing is, is game over. Um, so that's why I would just generally that you'll see that more in my, in my East list, but um, that would just all be all I have to say about, about Jack, Jack Campbell. 
he is a he is a kind of guy that Big Ten teams love to have, which is just someone who's around for five or six years and racks up what seems like a thousand tackles, um, despite like never clearly getting a sack or anything. You know what I mean? Joe like Backy, just like uh... yeah, just <laughs> yes. cleaning it, just cleaning up everything. Basically, that's his role. He just likes to sit in one spot, watch the a gaps, and if someone comes through, he hits them. And if they don't, well, I had a good play. I'll see you next. I'll see you next rep. <laughs> no, he's better than that. He is a good player, uh, but. There's a few of these guys in the conference, right? Like you have Jack Campbell at Iowa, you have Garrett Nelson at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, also, maybe Jack Campbell's teammate Seth Benson does this a little bit too, you could say, although he's more of a weak side backer. Um, mm-hmm. They just have kind of a crew of guys whose job is to, it's the tough Borland role at Ohio State, right? The it's lunch just fail like, guys. Yeah. <laughs> this you, is you a linebacker that was cover. your dad's favorite player. Yeah. Yes. This, you know what I mean? Uh, your uncle has a jersey of this guy somewhere in his closet. If they played uh, in the 1990s, they would have uh, shoulder pads that, measured in that you measured in yards instead of feet or inches um and uh we miss those days we really do um yeah somewhere in like an iowa city bar in like 10 years there's going to be like some like game worn jack campbell signed jersey um and that's going to kind of be like the thing they'll be like jack campbell ain't here or something like that and that's going to be the like the whole thing i i mean i wish him all the best in the future and things like that but i do think he's kind of like the college guy like they do mm-hmm. love their inside linebackers at Iowa and they tend to produce some uh, very productive ones. Absolutely. Uh, I went in a very different direction with my number two pick in terms of ability to impact the entire game uh, because I chose an offensive tackle for Northwestern. <laughs> um, Peter Skaronsky is a potential first round pick. I'm, I'm serious. I really mean it. He might be a first round pick. He might have to slide inside to guard at the NFL level, but that is a concern for somebody else in the future. Um, he only allowed two sacks in 828 snaps. Uh, Unbelievable. In, in that freaking offense is absurd. You have Ryan Holinsky back there. Ryan Holinsky does not know what <laughs> he's doing. And Peter Skoransky is still just walling guys off for maybe 12 seconds. He might have to, and he'll do it. And he also took only three penalties, which again, in that offense, in 828 snaps, when they can't do anything, uh, and they are at a severe talent deficit uh, and also at a se- severe schematic deficit. Uh, and he is not getting caught off guard, not making mistakes. Uh, he is also uh, a staple in their surprisingly productive run game. Uh, I mean, the disaster on Northwest or Northwestern's end uh, was mostly in the passing game last year and mostly related to the quarterback. But uh, Skaronsky is the rare offensive lineman who, jumps on off the screen on a truly bad offense this is some you know like uh off field stuff aside taylor lawan at michigan style uh just <laughs> like <laughs> the rest of the line you don't want to watch but there is one dude out there just mashing and that is peter skaronsky he's also he's so i know you mentioned here though that was nfl potential about moving to guard but he is such a weird player in the sense that he does seem to be the consensus top tackle in the country right now but also doesn't really look like a tackle like he's not especially long like, like those guys are like six four six three who are good tackles usually have that ridiculous like six seven wingspan he just has like a normal size offensive lineman like yeah. he looks like he should be a guard he just has incredibly quick feet like his technique is just perfect um like you watch his footwork and uh, his masterful. He just mirrors guys so well. Um, he's like a lineman that I think a lot of other, um, you know, high school recruits should be following more than anything else because he is just a technique based player. Like there is nothing special about him athletically or physically. He just learned how to play the position at an extremely high level. 
Yeah, we might see some uh, Riley Reef style photoshops of him heading into draft season with the little T-Rex arms and oh, yeah. saying this is a guard. But, uh, you know, that it, it's certainly not impacting at the college level, like you said, because of his technique. And that's what we're rating here. And also, I, I imagine he's going to be a pretty good NFL lineman, uh, whether that's on the interior or out on the edge, just because uh, he's an absolute technician. Uh, spoiler alert, Taylor and I have the same number one. And uh, you probably knew who it was heading in, but Taylor, uh, you you can you can say it's Braylon Allen. He's he's so good. It's I I don't even have words. Like he's absolutely like he's phenomenal. Um, again, he's he's only a sophomore. He's very very good. And I think that that something that I really enjoyed watching him a bit is that he's like a patient runner, but not necessarily a slow runner. He's like really good at bouncing off defenders and making smart second efforts. Like he's not doing any, like anything stupid in terms of hero ball, um, generally speaking. Um, and I, and I do think that he's got a really good chance of, of, again, when I'm looking at kind of potential of like, who is going to change a game for a specific team, he absolutely has that. Um, and especially again in the Big Ten West, who Wisconsin Wisconsin's going to win win the Big Ten West. Like that's to me not a question. Oh, uh, I don't know. That's really confident. I, I'm, think, yeah, I'm not ready to go there yet. I'm saying it. Wisconsin um, offensive line pack watch. I'm. 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 I'm well, here. Ready. Yeah, I. I think Wisconsin. I get what you're saying. Like, if you want to make a safe bet, you could say they have. Like, they are the one team in the Big Ten West that should theoretically have both a good defense and at least one good offensive player which no one else can really say in the league. Grant uh, <laughs> Burks and that receiving core scare me. Yeah, but here's the thing is, like, that defense is almost always good, but they do lose, what, eight starters from it this year? Yeah. Uh, Leo Chanel's I'm a, a big loss. Like, yeah, they got, yeah, they got Sanborn. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big, you know, Jim Leonard guy, I think, as we all are, but uh, I, I do wonder. And also, I mean, Joe Randolph's got to have to line coaching position. Like, he's not Virginia Tech. I think the bottom could fall out for Wisconsin. Is all I'm worried about because like, unless you're a Paul Chris believer, which um, don't count me in. Uh, <laughs> count me, count me as far away from that group as one can get. Uh, so far, my <laughs> options are Wisconsin or Purdue. Those are well, like because again, I'm, I'm, I'm betting on Iowa, baby. I'm betting on Iowa here. Oh, I, uh, I know it feels bad. I know it feels bad to so say bad. that offense. Oh, it, it it's it's bad. But you know, if anyone's like prepared to overcome that, though. <laughs> I guess, I guess it's an Iowa. They know how to coach around just not having an offense. I can't wait until we got all to get, we all have to get Ryan Ferentz tattoos after the season. We're going to pull oh, off goodness. this uh, Big Ten West <laughs> Division Championship. Uh, I do I do want to make a couple more notes on Allen before we we move on Please. because he is, he is so good. Um, so we only had 49 yards in the first four games of the season. Uh, Wisconsin was uh, trotting Jalen Berger and Ches Malusi out there trying to make things work um at burger uh you know to their credit was a former highly touted four-star recruit malusi not sure what they were doing there but um so allen only 12 carries for 49 yards in the first four games uh he runs for over 1200 yards over the season's five final nine games at 135 yards per game and change uh averages around seven yards a carry and scores 11 times uh and uh, we'll remind you, I mean, you watched Michigan play this team before they inserted Braden, Braylon Allen. There was no threat here. Uh, I mean, this was a Graham Mertz throwing to a bad group of receivers, one decent tight end, and uh, not the normal, just completely dominant 
Wisconsin offensive line that we're used to, but Allen produced like they still have that dominant offensive line. So, yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, he's a special player. I mean, did not have to think twice about putting him at the top of this list. Again, especially looking at at the talent in the big 10 West respectfully. Um, And also it feels like we can't go one episode of this show even before I was on the bucket problem without mentioning Tresma Lucy, it feels like it's a requir- just... it, It's in all of our contracts. It is. It is. He's not a real player, dude. I'm sorry. He's a creative player. That's not a real <laughs> guy. Is. Like he just popped up on, on Clemson's roster or whatever, a couple of years ago yeah. out of the blue um, had never, no one had ever heard of him. He wasn't given a scholarship offer. He just spawned on campus and is all of a sudden we have to deal with him forever. Uh, not my problem. No, I, he's not real. Dan, a.k.a. Thickstowskis, got way too deep into one of his spreadsheets, and, and Chesma Lucy popped up based on just a, a, a formula error, and, and that's why he's in there, and yeah. we don't know why Dan thinks he's like a top 15 running back in the Big Ten. <laughs> Because he Dude, does Dan not loves exist. spreadsheets. He loves spreadsheets more than anyone I know. That guy lives inside spreadsheets. He 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 he's all about them. Um, Wait until we get proven wrong. Just like absolutely, just like Alan does uh, nothing this year. It is all <laughs> Chesma Lucy, and and we're just having a Chesma Lucy apology episode where we all have to sit down and and write fill out the form of like why we were wrong. Honestly. Me apologize? No chance. <laughs> Ryan will not be on for that episode, uh, but we will That's force true. Dan to come on. Um, <laughs> I am uh, rather on the fly going to say that uh, given we're already 50 minutes into this taping and we are all launching a site uh, tomorrow that uh, we are going to hold off on the Big Ten East. Um, uh, I will quickly read off the uh, the media choices for the Big Ten West top five were and they did not put this in any particular order. Um, <clears throat> they were Jack Campbell, Peter Skoronsky, Aiden O'Connell, Braylon Allen, and Nick Herbig. None of these guys were unanimous, which is shocking given Braylon Al- Allen should have been just an automatic inclusion from ed- everybody and probably Skoronsky too. But at least with offensive linemen, you can understand why someone might have overlooked it. Um, my personal toughest omissions uh, were I did not have Jack Campbell on there. Uh, if Muhammad Ibrahim is back to what he looked like two years ago, then he'll be on this list at the end of the season. But you get pretty concerned about Achilles tears and uh, fully and the whole offensive line. Yeah. That too. <laughs> um, they have they have lost some pieces up there. Uh, Iowa cornerback Riley Moss, um, who a lot of you might have expected to hear, considering he was in the running for the Thorpe Award. I don't remember whether he won it or not. I am not going to bother looking it up because. Uh, I am going to accuse him of being a product of Iowa's system, at least somewhat. Um, I I think he's good for an Iowa corner. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll stop. Uh, I don't want to get too deep into the slander because I think he's a pretty good player. I don't think he's a top five player in the West. Um, Illinois' Chase Brown, uh, a productive running back uh, at, at Illinois. That is impressive. Uh, he is Joseph, very good. Yeah. I, I think he is like maybe the most underrated running back in the country. And that Illinois skill core is just like you get laughed at if you say Illinois is going to be good this year. But I, every, I like a lot of things about that roster. I'm actually relatively very high in Illinois. Yeah, it, it's funny for a Brett Bielema team to kind of be built from the skill positions in instead of the inside out. But uh, that's kind of what he's working with at this point. It should be fun. I don't know. It, it could be interesting. 
It won't be fun to watch Northwestern play because they're Northwestern, but Malik Washington is a good wide receiver again in that Northwestern offense. That is a really difficult thing to do when you watch them play. Um, Washington uh, really pops as somebody who is actually uh, a good offensive football player. And uh, yeah, I, I know we've done excessive Northwestern offensive slander here, but I don't know actually if you can do excessive or even slander Northwestern's offense. It's only true statements. Uh, so yeah, uh, Northwestern, a terrible offense with uh, two good players. And uh, only one of them really can have an impact on the offense because being one good offensive lineman, uh, as Michigan fans, uh, if they think back far enough, will remember, uh, does not make a good offensive line. I feel like you could say that about any team in the Big Ten West, and that's like, fine. Um, I don't have any notable admissions um, omissions because I only had four players on my list. <laughs> I couldn't think of any more. Um, and I, I apologize to um, any offensive. No, this offensive is correct. Do not apologize. Freaks, Do not apologize. But we to don't Big apologize on this podcast. And I will not yeah. apologize about my my belief that the Big Ten West is is fake. It's not it's not a thing like I, there's only there are like what, 14 teams in the Big Ten and technically seven of those aren't real they're they're fake (laughs) they're not you can't hurt me you can't make me i forgot illinois was a football team i forgot they had one so like come on now champagne urbana is truly hell to go to i don't know if you guys have ever been i have it's so so terrible Uh, is it it doesn't I um the night before I went there I got drunk in a little border town on on the border of Indiana and Illinois with some friends who are from there uh who are Ohio State fans and will surely not be listening to this podcast. <laughs> At this point. But uh we uh unfortunately we we did have to uh go back to the the bar the next morning because I forgot my card uh, at the bar and we had to uh like bang the doors down at 8am to try to get uh get my card back before we had to go to the campus for a game. Uh, which is great because someone was already drinking there at eight. So it worked out perfectly. Uh, so shout out to rural <laughs> Illinois. That's, that was my, that's the moral yeah. of my, uh, my story here. I, that's uh, beautiful. I went there for graduation with, um, my ex for her, um, her brother was graduating from a program there. And, uh, um, we drove down there, planned to check out campus, but she had been there before I hadn't. So I thought like, Oh, it's a big 10 campus. How bad could it be? And like, <laughs> after finding some place to eat, and like 15 minutes of wandering around what was supposed to be like their equivalent of South U. Uh, we left campus, went to a movie theater and uh, watched Thor Ragnarok. Um, and <laughs> that was absolutely the correct choice. Uh, we played that's it saying something. really well. It's uh, a great film. I like Thor Ragnarok. Mm, I haven't seen Love and Thunder. Um, I, I am not a Marvel person. And that yeah. still was like this this was the correct play we we did this right um so yeah i think that uh, yeah uh the big 10 west is uh generally just a hellhole for football but uh most of the towns are actually great uh illinois is a is a terrible exception to that uh ryan uh before we uh head on out was there any uh bad omission on our part somebody that uh should have shown up on our list or just a general takeaway about um the Big Ten West. I do think I was higher on Chase Brown. You guys were. He would have made my personal top five. I'm a big Chase Brown head, um, but I I respect that. Uh, I respect that it was kind of tough to make some choices here. And also, again, not going to blame not going to blame anybody for not watching a ton of Illinois games. Um, <laughs> but that having been said, I do have a few players. 
I don't know if they want to be my cut or not, but just players I want to shout out that could influence the season. Um, they're kind of good to talk through here. I'll kind of go in order of position. Um, Casey Thompson transferring into Nebraska, yes. the former Texas starting quarterback, um, could immediately be the best quarterback in the division on day one. If, if he continues uh, on the trend line, he was on. Um, I think he's a slight upgrade over Adrian Martinez, who, again, I also kind of, I think, like more than the average fan. I know he's been very memed at this point in time. I don't think he's a terrible player. Um, so I got Casey Thompson on there. I have two Illinois skill players in tight end Luke Ford. Mm. Um, he's in the Mackey Award list this season, started all 12 games last year. Uh, he only had 15 receptions, uh, but I do think he is a guy who – they were essentially running a, a wildcat scheme full-time last season – um, they don't exactly have a great passer this year with Tommy DeVito coming in from Syracuse, but uh, it, it's an upgrade on, on running. It's uh, a quarterback. Uh, it's a quarterback. That's something. And the former quarterback, Isaiah Williams, who was a true yes. or sorry, redshirt freshman wide receiver who started quarterback last uh, a couple years ago, uh, is now back at receiver. Uh, he is really good. He had 47 receptions for 525 yards last year and also had 61 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. Um, Michigan was he's a really good player. I, I can't remember how hard, but he was like a decent. Oh, well, he was like a top 100 too. recruit for, out of St. Louis. Yeah, really good. There was that class too, where there are a lot of guys out of St. Louis at skill positions that kind of all blended together a little bit for a lot of people. Um, but good player um, on the O line. Uh, Tyler Beach at Wisconsin is a Wisconsin lineman, six foot six. You know the deal. Know what to expect there. Uh, Kyler Shot at Iowa uh, has pretty high expectations. Um, I think people are pumped about him. Um, you also have the Big Ten returning leader in career starts. I'm sorry, the FBS uh, leader in career returning starts. Uh, Alex Pelzuski at Illinois has 52 starts coming back. Um, if he starts, presumably all 12 of their games this year, uh, and oh, it's Palcheski is the pronunciation. I apologize. Uh, if he starts all uh, 12 of their games this year and makes a bowl game, uh, he would have the FBS uh, career record for starts by a country mile, and I think it probably never be broken. 65 be, career starts. He could have. Who is it right now? I don't know, but not him. <laughs> I was going to say, is it like Tim Tebow because he was at Florida for a thousand? Yeah, years? like I, I, I don't. I couldn't find uh, a list Chris Leak started for but... too long for that to happen. <laughs> yeah, they, they, I they did I, that two QB thing for a little bit. I didn't find a list anywhere, but most of the numbers I saw, like all like the individual schools I looked up, like their career numbers, topped out somewhere in the low fifties, which he's already at before an extra year. Yeah, I mean, so, all these records are going to be shattered by guys who got a COVID year and like played exactly. four games and still got redshirted as a freshman. So we're we're going to see these records fall. But Illinois yeah. has produced like uh, they do put out the occasional like solid offensive lineman, even NFL quality offensive lineman, uh, for sure. But um just not necessarily uh, a complete offensive line uh it's sort of a northwestern thing going here but yeah i feel like i feel like just specifically we've been talking mainly offense i feel like you could like make one really nice offense out of every piece that we have talked about in the big ted west like, like it feels like you could just like you could like make a fantasy team out of just like and even the, then the you're thing. not feeling awesome about quarterback. <laughs> and even then, it is. It's so it's so rude like, to say, but you could ask yourself, like, if you put together the fantasy team of the Big Ten West offenses, would they be the a top three scoring offense in the Big Ten? And the answer might not be yes. Yeah, yeah that's tough because Ohio State's definitely better. Like, yeah, I mean, it's not so arrogant to say, but I think Michigan's offense is better this year, too. Right. Like, at least like they have a clear identity. I'm glad um, you said it. <laughs> I was going to say like a homework. <laughs> very quietly, um, since we're not getting to the Big Ten East, even though Ace and I basically have like unanimous considerations for the Big Ten East. <laughs> the um, East would go faster. <laughs> the East would go very fast. Um, I, I, I I also think Maryland could probably put up some 
could probably I'm a, be a little bit better. I'm a Talia score. fan. Talia has gotten like he has that Jekyll and Hyde reputation of like not really being able to turn off his his bad games and just like throwing his team out of games, and he's pretty much stopped doing that. I think he had one multi-interception game last year. I had to pull it up to double check, but at the Iowa um, game where he threw like f- five or six, was, yeah, right. And that, like, <laughs> it was I mean, pretty bad. Now that sucked. That sucked. <laughs> that Iowa defense is incredible. Yeah, so he had two back-to-back games. Uh, Iowa and then at Ohio State. And Ohio State game, he threw forty balls trying to make a comeback win. You know yeah. what I mean? That's like that's going to happen to you. But besides that, those are the only two multi-interception games of the season. Uh, Eleven interceptions on four hundred seventy-four attempts is like. A respectable percentage. That's not terrible. He's like I would just, feel like, so much better about him if I had not watched the Iowa game. And it is very hard for me to get the image of that game out of my head because he was just lobbing balls to their safeties. <laughs> if you did, I guess you probably watched him primarily play Iowa and Michigan, which are by far his two worst games yes. of the season. Uh, <laughs> I do understand why your impressions are colored by that. I got, I got I, the worst possible Talia <laughs> experience, and it is. I think he's good. I think he's good. Uh, I also think but, he's good. So yeah, I'm a fan. Actually, I, um, I, I am open to the uh, to the hypothesis that the issues with Talia are more Mike Loxley problems because I certainly <laughs> do not think Mike Loxley is good. Uh, I'll rip through my other players really quick here. I have like one I actually want to talk about and like six or seven I should name. Uh, a few defensive linemen. Uh, Iowa's Logan Lee is a good player returning. Uh, Wisconsin's Keontu Benton is one of the strongest players in the mm, conference, a guy yes. I'm a big fan of. Um, uh, Purdue has Branson Dean back as a redshirt senior out of Florence Central Indianapolis. Good player. Um, Northwestern uh, has a name I would like to pretend I can pronounce very well, but I probably cannot. Um Adetomiwa Adabaware, uh, who is a defensive lineman for them out of Kansas City. Really good player. Um, he returns as a redshirt senior again. Um, Nebraska Edge, Ochan Mathis, really good player. Um, Illinois has a duo they call the law firm of Newton and Randolph, which are their two defensive ends. Uh, Jerzon, who goes by Johnny Newton. Yeah, and uh, Keith Randolph Jr., uh, really good players. And Randolph's only a sophomore. I believe a redshirt sophomore. Um and I think they both are, as a matter of fact. These guys could be around theoretically for a while together, uh, and they're already very productive. I think that's going to be a great duo for Bielema and someone who could kind of shape how the conference looks this year. At linebacker, we have two of those compilers I mentioned, uh, Garrett Nelson of Nebraska and Seth Benson of Iowa. You don't need to think about them anymore. Uh, they're just there. Yep. Uh, the, the guy I do want to talk about, though, is a transfer player. Uh, Jay Shaw, a corner out of UCLA who transferred to Wisconsin, um, who was second team all Pac-12 last year and has gotten some really high praise from both uh, Jim Leonard and um, uh, I can't remember his first name, but last name is Poteet, uh, the, the cornerbacks coach at uh, Wisconsin. Um, he's going to start for them. Really good player uh, last year, I thought. Um, he he was just a, a shutdown corner, had five picks last year, game kind of a, a guy who, who made some plays. Um and he's always going to see a lot less passing offense in, uh, in the Big Ten West. So you may, his numbers may not look great, but I think his guys would be really effective for Wisconsin. And that's yeah, all I got. And they'll need him in their games against the Big Ten East when they actually yes. run into real teams. <laughs> all yeah, right. I mean, that's a really nice, yeah, that's a really nice uh, stat line. And it looks looks pretty pretty good. 12 pass breakups as well. I think that's yeah. really nice. They, they, had, they had two transfers coming in. They also had a Toledo transfer, uh, Justin Clark, I believe, who was uh, – uh, an all-Mac player. Um, I don't know as much about him. I know Patrick is not fond of him, and I generally defer to Patrick on all things. Anything. Uh, Mac football. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gee, I, I can hang in the Sun Belt, American, and Mountain West, but if we get down to the Coosa and the Mac, I got to be honest, I'm just watching maybe one or two games a week, which is more than most people, but not many. <laughs> and, and Patrick somehow, I don't know how he does it. He, he delves yeah. into 
the depths of college football in a way that few can. Listen, by the way, <laughs> the Mac yeah. is fun. I like the Mac. I'm only we all like because... the Mac, but do you make time for the Mac? No, <laughs> I, once, I once went to a Buffalo football game. I went to see University of Buffalo play. I, I have lived Great, basically within yeah. walking distance of Eastern Michigan's football season for like eight of the past nine years and have not gone to a game yet. That might change this year, though. We'll see. Uh, they're not again, they're not bad the max fun I, I i should try to experience <laughs> the the gray field just once um that that might be a meet at midfield uh um field project uh if you yeah uh, we're gonna get out there um yeah uh that is all for this week because we have talked so much big 10 west that uh we we just we couldn't talk any more football. It's coming through your eyeballs. It's it's <laughs> it's horrifying that we spent this much time on that conference. Um we didn't do an ad read, but uh use the promo code bucket problem for 15% off your first order from homefieldapparel.com. It is Youngstown State Week that uh or it was. Um that collection has dropped. It is incredible. Um I haven't checked who's up next, but uh look at the penguins. The penguins are good. Um one of There are penguins surfing. that are golfing. Yeah, one of them is surfing. Um, the ice that. castle one is so sick. I, I am uh, such a huge fan. Yes, there, there are. It's one of the best collections they put out. Uh, it was very hard not to buy all of them. Um, also, download the points bet app. Use the promo code bucket prop. Get one hundred percent of your deposit match up to one thousand um, dollars. Don't be a problematic gambler. Uh, yeah, uh, that's it for this week. Um, I would normally tell you to follow the bucket problem, but no, go follow at Meet at Midfield. Go to meet at midfield.com check out all the stuff we have up there uh taylor wrote on iowa i wrote on michigan versus chicago in 1900 uh dj burns is back doing uh whatever he's calling skull sessions now uh but dj is back uh, <laughs> i think skill skull sessions no he's, there's a different name you're right you're right there's, i'm sorry there's, a, there's been so much editorial stuff for the last week uh we're we're all uh going the morning kegger on. the morning kegger is the, the morning kegger um yes so we have a lot of stuff. There should be uh, new podcasts, new posts. Uh, meet at midfield.com will point you in the direction of all of that. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Ryan and Taylor for joining. Ace, have do a- you mind if I just say, if I just say for you and your co host really quick here, just on behalf of both of you guys, um, go Bucks. Disrespectful. <laughs> Disrespectful. Rude. Incredibly rude. <laughs> and, and exactly what you can expect from this website. Uh, Once again, thank you for listening. Um, Go Blue.